Welcome to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. On this week's show, what's causing a jump in the amount of money Tucsonans spend to keep a roof over their heads, whether they're buying or renting? Since the pandemic, the median price of a home for sale in Tucson has gone up by 50% and now sits at nearly $400,000. Demand continues to drive the market as the number of homes for sale at any given time stays equivalent to the number of homes sold each month, putting Tucson in a seller's market. Judy Koch is the president of the Tucson Association of Realtors. We started our conversation looking at how the market has changed since 2020. It's another shift, and it shifted drastically due to COVID, due to the lack of inventory, due to the lack of trades, due to the lack of working professionals. Everything changed, and we have not caught up in the building of the inventory Don't quote me on the statistic, but it was somewhere I heard not long ago that if we build 5,000 homes a year for the next five years, we still won't be caught up. So that's an interesting statistic of how short we are because so many people are coming to Tucson. We look at, um, for example, Amazon is building their fourth distribution center. They know, they've seen the statistics, they know what's happening in Tucson. Some of the big businesses that are really looking at Tucson, their only hesitation is the lack of housing. Inventory has been an issue probably for a decade here, it seems, on and off. But I know in the last two months, I've gotten a number of phone calls, just cold calls from realtors. Hi, are you interested in selling your house? I've never gotten that before. Is this a particularly low time for inventory? Interesting. We had the same amount of inventory to sell last year as we do this year. So it's not really the lack of the business that we've been doing, but more people wanting to be homeowners and more people coming into the area. When... COVID came to be, a lot of our baby boomers that weren't really thinking about retiring chose to retire. So that brought an influx of buyers into our area because they could choose to live wherever they wanted and be comfortable. We have a huge active adult population and huge neighborhoods for active adults. And so a lot of them are coming here. When it comes to buying, of course, mortgage rates, therefore interest rates play in. We've seen the Fed increasing the interest rate. What does that do to the market? To give that a really good perspective, May of 21, our median price was 3.265. And in May of 22, that median price jumped up to 3.85. On its own, That wasn't too huge for a buyer when the interest rates were at three back in May of 21. But today at interest rates of approximately 5.99%, that's an increase in their mortgage payment on the principal and interest of about $650 that they're paying for that same house if they're getting a mortgage. 
The interesting thing about our market today is the influx of cash buyers. We have a huge percentage of cash buyers purchasing. And I'm not talking about investors. Yes, we have those investor cash buyers, but we have a ton of outside of state people that are coming in. They're selling smaller homes for more money. They're getting to buy a much larger house, a much nicer house than where they're coming from. And they're able to pay cash because of what they've sold somewhere else. And so the cash buyers are really pushing the value of the houses up at a very high rate and a very fast rate. We've heard the water cooler discussions about those rising housing prices. The ultimate example was the house in the foothills that sold for a million over asking. Obviously, for most of us, that's not in our price range. Uh, right. <laughs> but even with the increase in the year-over-year -year median cost and changes in interest rates, are there any concerns about a, a coming crash like we saw in 2008? So we're still at a historical low in interest rates. It is going to affect a lot of buyers. They can't buy what they were able to buy last year, this year. So a lot of them are taking a step back and watching to see what the market is doing. I also look at it on the seller's perspective. I'm a seller who, if I wanted to sell my property today, I would probably think twice because I have an interest rate of 2.75 on my mortgage. Why would I want to give that up to go buy something at a maybe an interest rate of 6 or 6.25 by the time I bought and locked in an interest rate because they're talking about raising the interest rates again and even another time before the end of the year. As a potential seller, do I want that? Right, because you could make good money selling your house now, but you still have to buy another one with the market the way it is. Right, and that's a challenge, and it's a challenge for a lot of our sellers. It's interesting because in today's market, I'm showing a ton of homes that are already vacant. So where are they going? I have clients that are actually moving out of their house so it sells better. They're renting until they sell and close, and then they're turning around and purchasing again because they really want to know what they're really going to get and where those funds are and how they're going to use them in the future and if the market is going to shift a bit. I don't see a lot of shifting. We're going to have more inventory. We already do. A stable, I'll call it a stable market where it's not a buyer's market and it's not a seller's market. We usually have between four and six months of inventory, which means if we never got another listing tomorrow, it would take four to six months to sell everything we have. We are still hovering around the 30 to 40 day mark. In Oral Valley, we were down to um, two weeks a few months ago. So there's still that lack. In the active adult communities, um, for example, Saddlebrook, we usually average over 100 listings at any time in there. A few months ago, I pulled it up, there were 13. That's the lack of that's really driving what's going on. So there's still a lot of competition the good houses, the beautiful houses that everybody wants to buy are still going in the first couple days with multiple offers. 
but I'm also seeing houses that are on the market two to three weeks that are now doing price reductions. When it comes to the buyers and with everything the market's doing, have you seen a change in the buyer? Are they looking at a different type of house or maybe a specific part of town uh, is doing better than other areas in this current market? Everyone has a goal and what's going to work for their family or their situation. I work at the U of A, so I want to live down by the U of A. I heard Sam Hughes is great. I'm going to, I want just a house in Sam Hughes, or I'm a snowbird. I want this type of property. So it's still buyer specific. You mentioned rentals, a company called AirDNA that looks at rental availability, short-term rentals, said there are about 4,000 short-term rentals in the Tucson area like your Airbnbs and things like that. How do those play into the market? Are people buying homes to make them into the short-term rentals as an investment? Or maybe somebody says, I have too much house and I want something smaller. I'll just buy something smaller and rent the other one out. Well, I'm thankful that we do have those type of homes because our buyers that need to live temporarily until they can find something and close on it, there, there's a need. I'm unthankful <laughs> at the same time because the people around those properties need quality of life. And so what are the people using those for? So like the Airbnbs that are, I'll just call them the party house, it harms those neighbors. But at the same time, there is a need for homes like that. So there's pluses and minuses for those. How many do we need? I love when a client calls me and says, I need temporary housing, and it's June, July, and August and September because there's an abundance because people don't really want to come to Tucson during those months. <laughs> but come the fall, when all our snowbirds come and all the people that want to come and golf and enjoy our weather, then we get really challenged and they're in short supply still. That was Judy Koch, president of the Tucson Association of Realtors. One way that Tucson could get out of the current housing crunch would be to build more homes. The number of permits issued to build single and multifamily homes in the greater Tucson area has gone up since the pandemic began, averaging more than 400 permits a month. That's about where it was in 2007 when sales were starting to slow just before the housing bubble burst. We turn to David Godlowski, the president of the Southern Arizona Home Builders Association, for an update on residential construction in our area. Well, I definitely say the housing market in its entirety is in a state of flux. And when it comes to home building, it's really difficult to project what's going to happen, but there's a lot of uncertainty. And I would venture to say we're going to see a pullback here in home building in the next few months. Is the pullback due to the high prices in the existing home market coupled with rising interest rates and therefore rising mortgage rates? Just one of those or things we haven't thought of? It's really a, a confluence of, of factors that are probably going to result in a, in a, in a pullback in, in new home construction. You do have the high interest rates. I think people are concerned about the overall market volatility and what's going on with their, their 401ks. There's certainly a national narrative about going into a, a recession. 
So I think people are a little concerned in that coupled with uh, high home prices is, uh, I think it's giving people pause. We also hear about supply chain issues. How bad is it in the building industry? The supply chain issues have been, I think, by far the biggest impediment to home building in the past 18 to 24 months. You've seen material prices just go through the roof. A lot of that is driven by just simply the the, the lack of availability and the problems in the supply chain issue. Uh, the National Association of Home Builders has, has said that in the past year, home construction costs have gone up 21%, and we've seen you know similar price appreciation. And so I think those prices are in a lot of ways directly result of supply chain issues, but also you've seen land costs go up, you've seen labor costs go up. So there are a lot of factors that are pushing on that. I don't know how, you know, interest rates are going to affect pricing. It's possible that there could be some relief, but a lot of these costs aren't going away because the supply chain issues haven't gone away either. Our previous interviewee, the president of the Tucson Association of Realtors, Jody Koch, said that if Tucson added 5,000 houses a year, so new houses, for the next five years, it wouldn't solve the shortage of inventory of houses. Does that sound about right to you? It does sound about right. And so if you take a look, so last year, about 5,100 single family home permits that were issued by municipalities uh, throughout Southern Arizona. So just based on on that demand, you're talking about 5,000 permits uh, needed for a, a year. And and I think as you, you saw in the past couple of years, the builders weren't able to keep up with all the demand that they saw. So I think uh, I think it's accurate to say that that 5,000 a year would be good to see, but it would we would still have supply issues long term. So what's the typical home that home builders in Tucson are building right now? Who are they targeting? Well, you're, you're seeing a lot of demand across the spectrum. I mean, there really isn't one particular market segment that's doing better than than any others. You're seeing a lot of people who are coming in from out of state, you know, people who are trying to get out of uh, high price places like California who are coming in. You're seeing people who are here in the market who've been working remote and they may continue to work remote. And so working out of the home, they've decided, hey, why don't we take that chance and, and move up? You know, there there is, despite the increase Increase in house pricing, a lot of first-time home buyers that are also uh, trying to get into the marketplace. When it comes to building homes, are builders looking to do infill? You know, lots that are already open. Are builders looking on the outskirts of the Tucson metro area where there's some more land and undeveloped things to work with? Builders are, are really good about looking at the the different uh, market segments and trying to have a diversity in terms of their community types and the product offerings. So they want to have a, a balance or a mix. They do want to have some some infill. They want to have some suburban. They are also you know attracted by lower priced lots or land that are a little bit further out. It's certainly more expensive to build infill. Uh, there are more regulatory barriers and impediments to try and and build infill, but you are starting to see more infill activity. Are we seeing more multifamily units, be they duplexes, triplexes, things like that also that are being requested for build? 
there's a term uh, that's become increasingly popular over the, the past couple of years called the missing middle. And unfortunately, I don't think Tucson has done a very good job about trying to attract that type of development or product. And so I think th those are the type of things from a policy perspective that we need to address as a region, because that will certainly help our supply issues. Fixing the middle housing issue will help first time homebuyers get in at an affordable price point. And it's going to be really important that we try and figure out ways to encourage those duplexes, triplexes, go vertical, more dense projects. Do zoning laws affect any of those decisions? And, and how active are you all in working with zoning boards, be it county, city, towns uh, in the area? Certainly the zoning and, and land use code do have a lot to do with what can be built where. And there's also a political process where if there's a piece of, of land, say in the city of Tucson, that may not be zoned properly for that type of housing type that you have to get approval from the legislative bodies and ultimately the, the city council to be able to build the type of product. In Tucson, we have seen a lot of examples where there's been community resistance to that type of higher density. It can be challenging. The other restriction seems to be the, the one that everybody thought was a looming crisis, but it's become a crisis now, and that's water. We've even got a podcast coming up uh, in July on water called Tapped. And we have the 100-year water rule that says if you're going to build a development, you have to show you have a 100-year supply of water. How do new homes deal with all of that, knowing that the Colorado is dropping every day? Water is going to be a critical issue, not just for southern Arizona, but all of Arizona going into the future. And it's a question of, of how do we continue to encourage economic growth in light of declining water availability? And I personally, I think it can be done. Uh, the builders have become very conscious of what's going on. They're introducing low flow toilets, low use water fixtures, drought tolerant plants. There is a recognition in an effort to try and consider serve water in the part of home builders. I also think that Southern Arizona, particularly what's been done by Tucson Water and the Tucson City Council, has prepared us for a, a time of drought. I think it's really a success story in terms of how we've been able to manage our water portfolio over the past 30, 40, 50 years. Right. Tucson Water says, despite our exponential growth since the 80s, we're still using the same amount of water, or at least their customers are. Yeah, that's that's right. And certainly there has been that, that increased growth. I think, you know, obviously it would be a question for Tucson Water, but I've heard them talk about decoupling population growth from water consumption. And if you look at the trends, we've been able to grow, but we are using this, the same or, or less water. And again, I think that's because there's been collaboration between the communities, between the water providers, between the building industry to say, hey, how do we balance this? How do we make sure that we can grow and be cognizant of our water situation? That was David Godlowski, president of the Southern Arizona Home Builders Association. You're listening to The Buzz. After the break, we turn our attention to a rise in rents and evictions. Stay with us.
Welcome back to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. We're examining the housing shortage in Tucson this week. Now we turn our attention to issues around rental homes and an increase in evictions. The average rental price in Tucson has gone up by one-third in the past two years, according to data from the Tucson Association of Realtors. Housing advocates say that's a problem. Liz Morales is the director of Tucson's Housing and Community Development Department. In this market, we're seeing a, a big displacement of families that are at the lower end of the income spectrum. And some of them do have stable income, but just not enough to pay the rents that, that many of the landlords are asking for right now. That clip comes from a story coming up on Arizona Illustrated, which airs on our sister station, PBS 6. Producer Coach Simone examines a slew of evictions at an apartment complex that was recently bought by Tucson-based North Star Management and Consulting, which oversees dozens of properties in Tucson and Phoenix. When we sat down to talk, we began our conversation discussing what Coitch learned about increasing rents in Tucson. One of the reasons is that, well, Arizona is one of 36 states that preempts local governments from um, adopting any rent regulation or rent stabilization. So we have people coming here and buying um, the historically cheap real estate and raising rents as much as they want. I first learned about Kevin Easterly. He was a California real estate developer. The Arizona Daily Star did an article about him purchasing the Craycroft Commons in Midtown, and that was a senior citizen complex where he raised the rent well above 50%. And these are senior citizens displacing them in a housing crisis um, on fixed incomes with nowhere to go. So when I started looking at that, um, yeah, looking into the, the loose regulations that are causing these huge spikes in rents that we've seen over the last several, several years, and especially in the last couple of years. So is, is this just a simple supply and demand issue, or are there other forces at play here? Yeah, it, supply and demand. There's lots of inventory, but not enough affordable housing being built. You spoke with City of Tucson Council member Steve Kazachik, whose district covers much of central Tucson for the story. Let's hear a clip where he summarizes one big issue for rental properties. We have virtually no local investors who are putting money into our housing stock and upgrading them. These are all out-of-state people. They're real estate investment trusts. They're people who are just simply pooling money together without any attachment to the local people. They're putting a little bit of money into them, jacking the rents up, refinancing based on the new rents, and taking that money that they get in the refi and putting it into another, another project. The city will say... Um, that there's, there's many, many reasons, there's many obstacles that they're facing, those being land costs, supply chain issues, um, zoning laws, and competition for developers statewide. So what is it that cities, towns, counties um, are doing or have done uh, to try and help people who can't afford their rent at this point? Well, there are federally funded um, uh, programs like Section 8. The VA has, has their own program, too, to help people out with rental assistance. But the problem with that is the vouchers are not enough money to cover these costs. Plus, 
landlords don't want to work with those programs because um, they complain about uh, federal bureaucracy and slow rollers of payments. Um, and plus, just they can get more money. So they proceed with evictions. And you can see in the story of the Monterey Garden Apartments where this couple um, were accepted. They couldn't come up with the funds to pay their rent. And the Tucson Eviction Prevention Program, which is another um, resource for people, um, they were ready to pay their rent, the back rent and three months rent in advance. But the the property owners proceeded with an eviction anyways and this has been happening a lot like displacing a lot of families who have incomes but they just can't afford to pay the the prices that people are paying here's another clip from your story this time featuring that couple their names are laura and nick we hear from laura first it's just i'm just so focused right now on trying to to make it work and emailing these people and it's so frustrating because you have an eviction on your record within the first two years that they, they want no place will take you no place there are people that do have challenges in life that do throw a curveball and they have no choice and they end up in a predicament like this and you went and looked and made a lot of phone calls to apartment complexes, rental homes that take Section 8, they all have waiting lists. So even if they do accept them and the amount is right, there's no inventory, there's no place to go. Right. And the, the actually HUD, um, they, they've actually upped the amount that they're offering to landlords, um, but they're at the maximum. But when they increase the amount of funds that they can allocate for Section 8 vouchers, it actually limits the amount of people that they can help. So what do people do beyond turning to the government for help, but as you've said, that doesn't always help. So what else can they do? Well, this is a really good question, right? And I think it's pretty clear when you see the rise of evictions, homeless shelters at capacity, and the rise in homeless numbers because there is very little that people can do. There are organizations like the Tucson Tenants Union that people are finding some empowerment through. This should be a problem that we're all facing together yes. because yes, if you're not in the one. process right now of either being evicted or your rent's being increased, you're gonna be, yeah. you're yeah. gonna be. Because if it's not happening to you, it's happening to your nana. As well as places like the Casa Maria Soup Kitchen um, in South Tucson, who have been there for 40 years. And they all say it themselves, they shouldn't have to exist. And they're very tired. You know, they're busier than ever trying to meet the needs of people right now. That was AZPM producer Koichni Simone. Her story on evictions in Tucson airs on Arizona Illustrated on our sister channel, PBS6. And that's the buzz for this week. Join us next week as we take a closer look at the recently passed state budget and other action from the legislature at the end of their annual session. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Zach Ziegler is our producer, Jim Blackwood is our production engineer, and our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening.
Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.